Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Fortnite Story. I am joined alongside a very important figure of the Fortnite community has taken on a job that I'm sure a lot of you guys appreciate. Uh, this is Kinch Analytics, and um, you will get to know more about him. But how's it going, Kinch? Hi, everyone. It's going well, thanks. Yeah, really happy to be here. Uh, looking forward to talking a bit about how I got to where I am. Yeah, so first of all, I would like to know where Kinch comes from. I think we can all understand the analytics part, but where, where does Kinch come from? Uh, so my middle name is Kinchi. That's K-I-N-C-H-I. It's um, two Chinese words because I'm actually half Chinese. So yeah, I have a Chinese middle name. And Kinch just became like my, I guess, my online moniker during a previous hobby that I had in speedkeeping. I just was on the forums with the Kinch nickname, and then I just carried it forward into Fortnite. Speed cubing. Can you, can you talk mm. about what that is? And you know, were you any good? Uh, so that's solving Rubik's cubes as fast as possible. Um, it's a, I guess, quite a niche sport. Not as popular as Fortnite, but um, there's a decent community. There's probably about a uh, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand around the world that that participate in it um and yeah that was that was my my big big hobby before i got into fortnite at all um did that for many years as a competitor and yeah i was i was pretty good um i set three world records oh wow um and 59 national records i think and about yeah 300 medals or something i won in different tournaments so so, so yeah. by pretty good, you mean really freaking good. You're setting world re- records, bro. Like that's you're being humble, but that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, pretty so, good, pretty good. <laughs> so if I find someone in like the uh, speed cubing world and I, I tell them I know mm. Kinch, you think they'll know who you are? Do those records still stand? Yeah, um, I don't think I hold any of the records anymore. Actually, like the 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 hobby moves pretty fast as it you know as time goes on. And the times just get faster and faster. Um, but yeah, I was I was known by Kinch or, or by my by my real name, uh, Daniel. So yeah, if you quote my real name, they're probably more likely to know me. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah, they might know Kinch as well. Okay, that's cool. That's uh, interesting. And then, so how do you get started into Fortnite? Because speed cubing, Fortnite, they, they don't necessarily go together, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But yeah. like, how'd that all begin for you? I mean, I've always liked, you know, playing video games on the side. Um, but, you know, I, I grew up at a time when there wasn't really a big online gaming, you know. Um, when I was a, when I was the age that most Fortnite competitors are, there was, there was no such thing as, like, online esports, really. <clears throat> so I just grew up playing, like, single-player games, basically, um, as a little hobby on the side of other things. When Fortnite came, it just sounded like a game I wanted to try out and play with my friends online. And my brother started playing it a bit, and then a few friends started playing it. So it just became a hobby of mine. Um, And yeah, eventually my wife started playing it as well. (laughs) Managed to rope her in. Nice. And yeah, so it was always just like a a casual hobby. I've I've never actually been a, a competitive Fortnite player. A lot of people just assume like I'm crazy at the game or something, but I'm just not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've always been pretty much a casual player. I've always followed the competitive scene, um, but I've never put in the time to to properly grind, to 
you know, I've never spent hours and hours in creative or anything like that. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not a complete bot. I can, can build my way and edit my way through, but, um, I don't, I'm, I've never been at a high level, so to speak. Um, keyboard or mouse, so yeah, was, was it... keyboard and mouse yeah, or controller yeah. player? Keyboard and mouse, okay. um, which was, which was actually a, a big change for me because, you know, growing up playing single player games on like consoles or whatever, a bit of, bit of card, bit of, um, you know, games like that. I was always on controller on those things. And the only things I played on keyboard were like slow paced management games, things like that. So when I started Fortnite, I just, I just heard like, you know, people play keyboard and mouse for this game. It's better or whatever. So I just, I just tried it and I was obviously awful and I had zero idea how on earth to do anything with a mouse back in 2018. So it was quite a learning curve to even be to even become, you know, moderately decent at the game. Yeah. Nice. And so uh, you clearly enjoyed the game. You enjoyed the competitive mm. side. Um, and then you, you said you were playing back in 2018. When did like you start to do the, the data and the analytics side of it? Because yeah. As far as I can remember, it wasn't like those first couple of years. It's really been yeah. probably 2020 and on that you've right. focused on that. Yeah. So as I said, I've always followed the competitive scene. Um, you know, I've been watching the tournaments since 2018, all the all the skirmishes and all those, all the lands that you know Tifu and Cloaksy were winning. Um, and then 2019, we get into a more serious like online competitive world. With the World Cup qualifiers, various one-off tournaments, the World Cup itself, I was watching all those. The thing is, I didn't, I didn't really know that there was data out there to be got at. <laughs> so, I already had skills as a data analyst all through this time. As as my job, I was a data analyst. Um, I was just, you know, playing Fortnite casually and watching it competitively as just a casual viewer. And I think it was sometime after World Cup. I realized like, you know, I could, I could start adding various numbers together and produce interesting analytics. Um, it was actually, actually during the world cup qualifiers, it was that I would say I first did my piece of analysis, um, which was pretty much just to aggregate people's performance across the qualifiers to try and figure out who's the actual favorites for the world cup itself, because obviously I'm first one week and 200th in all the other weeks maybe you just got a bit lucky you know maybe you're not that great and i just wanted to see like who was consistently good um and yeah i, I kind of actually worked out that uh aqua and nyrox were being severely underrated by people um specifically some bookmakers as well were offering <laughs> odds <laughs> so i did have a little bet um and yeah paid off but that, i guess that was the first little bit of analytics I did. The first bit I published for the community, I think, was I might have posted something like December 2019, um, something about cash cup performance, I think, overall cash cup performance for EU. I think I sort of rated Wakey and Benji Fishy back then as the top performers across all the cash cups. And then I started a Twitter profile. I think that was only in April 2020. Um, so we started off April 2020 with like zero followers and thing that really kicked off my Twitter was the FNCS solo invitational. I think it was back then where it was a two day 
tournament. You would compete across a series of games on both days. And Epic just didn't provide a leaderboard to sum up the two days. Hmm. So <laughs> everyone knew where they stood after day one. And then during day two, they just had no idea whether they were catching up or not, because in game, all their points were reset to zero at the start of the day. <laughs> so I produced this leaderboard, which was some rudimentary Google sheet that I was semi-manually updating. But yeah, I was I was pulling some data down from the game and just adding up two numbers, basically, and publishing it online. And that and that uh, kind of blew up on Twitter, everybody, because everybody needed to see where they were. And... Yeah, that's what got it all started, I guess. Okay. And now everyone knows you as, like, you're the guy. If you need to know what the prediction is for, like, a qualifier, you are you are the guy that everyone is like, oh, what's Kinch say? Like, this is going to be yeah. what it is. And now you even offer, like, a paid service where you're yeah. updating it as the tournament goes on. So, I mean, obviously don't tell us like the secrets but how do you do that like I, i'm very interested to know how that works yeah so you know i got i got into it because during tournaments you know you, you'd watch the streams and they would just be all like oh we don't know how many points we need to qualify for the next round and they're just taking wild guesses and i realized i could i could get way closer than you know people were just with all their guesses so um yeah, like I, I grab all the leaderboard data during the tournament. Um, so I can get that from like Epic's API or any of the other third party services that already process some of it. And then I just track what the leaderboard looks like pretty much. Um, and if it looks, so for example, like uh, the Cash Cup, uh, Dio Cash Cup, I could just compare it to last week's Dio Cash Cup. If I have a, a record of how that progressed last week, then this week I can track this against last week and maybe i can see it's like a few points higher pretty easily um as for like newer tournaments if you have nothing to track against obviously that's a way more difficult thing to estimate um but but you know there's always things to compare to a lot of it is also just like trying to figure out how many people are actually going to play the tournament because that has a huge effect on what the qualification will be um so i spend a lot of time uh, just looking at how many players are in champs and how that's progressing over time and how popular a particular tournament is. Um, yeah, so I guess that's kind of how I estimate. Also, a big part of it is like just knowing how certain you are about things because you don't want to say like it's going to be 145 points and then just leave it at that because then it's it might be 146 and people get angry at you. So you have to make it, <laughs> you have to make it clear like how confident you are in your estimate. And so I always give like a little range that it could be in. Um, and obviously for a newer tournament, that range might be pretty big because I have a lot of uncertainty in my mind. But yeah, often we can narrow it down a lot as the as the tournament goes on. Okay. So essentially real-time data that you're using against historical data to try and hmm. give you an accurate representation is like the, the dumbed-down way of what goes on. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Okay. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's interesting because you always provide like, you know, 105 points. I'm 90% sure. Uh, 110 is like 95% sure. Like, yeah. obviously, those numbers and percentages aren't right, but you always do give some like, there, there's some wiggle room here, guys. I'm not going to be perfect, but if, you know, you yeah. get this 100 or 99% sure number, you, you're going to be good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's interesting yeah. how you do that. 
Yeah, cause, I mean, it has to be done because otherwise you get a lot of blame for being wrong, so to speak. <laughs> you know, unless you could actually tell the future, there is no way to be to be sure what the number will be because it, it will depend on what people do in the final games. And yeah. Well, and I'm sure the like final queue because sometimes you know last queue pops at like five minutes, and then other times it pops thirty seconds <laughs> before the queues end like that definitely has a big effect on what the, the yes. overall outcome is going to be and especially who's in those games yeah huge, huge difference and yeah that makes like uh, round three of fmcs for example it makes it very difficult to narrow it down properly uh because the the threshold will change by um five or even up to ten points just depending on how long the final queue is and and who gets in the game as you said so yeah sometimes i have to do the you know a final update just after queues close, basically, and I just wait to see uh, what games actually started, and then I can try and narrow it down a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Well, and obviously, you know, you're the reason why people don't qualify because they easily would have gotten better placements or like more yeah, eliminations yeah. if you said it was higher, but they didn't because oh, Kinch yeah, yeah. said it was this. So I only Deadpool. need to get that many yeah. points. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious and. Uh, you know, it it does frustrate me at times because uh, some people truly believe it. Now nowadays, half the time when people post things like that, it is just a troll tweet. But at other times, it's like maybe people actually read this and believe it. <laughs> like <laughs> the kid just actually has no idea what he's talking about. You know, <laughs> it's so funny because realistically, like it should be used as like a gauge to time your games more than like. I need to not play this game out to the best of my ability. Like when you're in a game, you should be trying to play it out to the best of your ability every single game. And it really doesn't matter what the overall qualification number is, unless you know you need, okay, I need 30 points. So I need to drop like five mm. elims at least and win this game. That's a little different. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, you're yeah, off if, by if, one point, then who Yeah, cares? if you need 10 points, then, you know, you're looking at getting somewhere into the you know first moving second moving zone or whatever you know that and whether it's nine or 11 points required is no difference to your gameplay you shouldn't actually care like <laughs> you just play the game out but yeah there are some situations as you said like it's useful to sometimes know that you need a 10 kill win and that a five kill win isn't going to be enough so you know you need to maybe be a little bit aggressive um so it can definitely help you guide yourself in that or if you only need three points, for example, then maybe in in mid game you're not going to push so hard to get uh, game winning loot. You're just going to sort of try and try and survive a little bit and just scrape those points at the beginning of the end game. Uh, so it can it can definitely help your strategy. Sometimes people do read a little bit too much into it. I, I agree. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and one of the other things you've done that I'm super interested in is like, well, I guess two things. You track like who has the biggest elim games or you know just kind of keep that on record which i've found really cool that someone is posting that because cam and narwhal just beat that record recently yeah. and then the other thing is like the difficulty of lobbies i always like found that interesting yeah. so i'd love to hear how exactly you figure that out um and you know why like why do you even care so i keep a, a database of all Fortnite tournament results um and this this helps firstly with all the estimates that i do and obviously just to pull out random stats you know people people enjoy a good stat on twitter um so and that was always part of 
you know the sort of thing that i posted that people were interested in and you know you tag a player maybe they'll maybe they'll share it and retweet it and then you grow your own profile i'm not saying that's the only thing i'm thinking about but um Definitely doesn't hurt. yeah like yeah for sure um so you know something like the most limbs in a game that's a very easy thing for me to to pull out because i literally just have a database i need to write a few couple of lines of code just to to order every all the games by the most eliminations and maybe filter for a certain tournament or something but that's that's a pretty easy one to do um i guess the difficult thing is actually noticing when something significant happens because <laughs> i don't really have any like alert set up to say oh ding ding kinch post something on twitter because this guy just beat the record it's more like did i notice it happen while watching the tournament or did someone else say something about it <laughs> and, and then i go and check and see whether it is actually a record um yeah as for lobby difficulty that you know i, I just wanted a way to like compare the the performances of people uh in different lobby qualities is like is a is a 30 kill win in an easy lobby better than a a five kill win in a in a really difficult lobby and so i want to basically what you need for that is a metric of how difficult the lobby is because right. you already you already know their placement and the limbs and to do that the obvious way is just look at everyone in the lobby look at how good they are and then summarize that into one number somehow um, <laughs> and you know that's basically what i did you know i've got i've got my own skill levels for each player you can kind of think of that as kinch pr so to speak i'm just like looking at tournament results and figuring out how good each player is and then i look at everyone within a particular game and add up all their skill levels and you basically get the difficulty of the lobby interesting <laughs> So what do you yeah. find more difficult is like a five kill win in a tough lobby or a 30 kill win in the easy one? So I would say a five kill win in a, in a difficult lobby is definitely more impressive. I mean, there's an easy way of thinking about that, which is that in a difficult lobby, only one team out of the 50 is going to get a five kill win. Whereas in easy lobbies, if you put those same 50 teams in 50 different easy lobbies, probably 10 of them are going to drop a 30 bomb so okay. yeah you definitely sense. say the uh the tough lobby win is is better um <clears throat> yeah from from looking at those stats i don't know how often you do this but is there like a duo that stands out to you is like they are consistently performing in top lobbies and stand above the rest or is there a couple that stand above mm. the rest is there anyone that stands out I mean, right now on EU, there are two duos that are by far and away the most consistent performers in top lobbies, and they are Seti and Kami, and Tayson and Trapix. Okay. Um, no so surprise. So it's very, very easy by looking at results that Seti and Kami are easily the most consistent duo on EU. Um, actually, look, yesterday they've uh, they've played seventeen uh, finals lobbies together since they started at the beginning of last season. There's duo cash cups, FNCS qualifier finals, things like that. Um, and 15 times they finished in the top eight out of 17. Wow. Which is kind of crazy when that you is, consider yeah. how good the top 50 duos on EU are. And they're just always there every single time. Um, and then, yeah, Tayson and Chapix, their results aren't quite as consistent. But the only times that they fail are when they're contested. And, for example, last season, 50-50 in slurp trucks. 
things like that. <clears throat> but every time they're on con, they're basically top five, if not top three. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So what you're saying is one of those two teams is going to finish top actually probably both of them are going to finish top 10 in fncs if unconned i mean seti and cami will be uncon i don't think they've been contested in a final for i don't know how long <laughs> so it happens <laughs> Maybe when once you make ever. your own split um yeah i think tayson and traffics will probably be uncon as well in north collider i don't i don't i think Maybe there's one or two other teams that kind of fancy it, but if they call for grounds, they're probably not going to contest Tayson. So, you know, I would, I, I would be really shocked if Cami and Tayson were not both at least top six. Very shocked yeah. if they weren't both there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I figure if you ask yeah. anybody to make a prediction of their top five, likely yeah. both of those teams both would those be in teams there, are be and then yeah. there'd be like. Queasy Vino, Pink yep, and Anas, sure. and then I don't know, throw in any fifth team that I guess like those four kind of stand out to me in EU. Um, I for me, for me it's one. a it's a top three that I would say is going to definitely be up there, which is the two plus Queasy Vino. Mm -hmm. um, then I think the next tier is sort of Pink Anas, um, Malabuka Mustache will depend a lot on their offspawn whether they get contested on part of their split or not. And they're just generally quite an inconsistent team. Yeah, they're streaky. <laughs> when things go well, it goes really well. And um, then when it goes poorly, it goes very yeah. poorly. And then Thomas Trippin, I'd say, as well. Okay. I think those are probably the six teams that actually have a reasonable chance of winning. Um, I'd be I'd be very surprised if anyone else won FNCS apart from those six. Yeah, It's crazy that we're this far into the game and at first it seemed like it was almost random who was going to win fncs and then now it's very much like you are one of these top players and you're winning fncs and then yeah. there's that progression you know you'll see a player make their first finals and then you'll see them get bottom half and then you'll see them get like you know mid third and then they place yeah. top 10 and then now it's like okay they have a legitimate shot of understanding how these lobbies work and could actually win so it, it's cool to see that development within mm -hmm. Fortnite um because it's not random as much as people want to say it's very much controlled yeah. by these top players you know i think it's it's two things kind of balancing each other off from from the old days like the old days it felt like there was also some top teams but then random teams could maybe win and that's because the the skill gap back then was very large because the game was lesser developed but there were so many random things that could happen within a game, um, like stupidly overpowered weapons or strats. You know, there were nade stacking. There was, uh, I don't know what, all sorts of exploiting through builds. And I mean, you can still do some of that. But um, anyway, there were a lot more items that could completely ruin a duo's game, no matter how good you were. And so this, the skill gap of the actual players was much lessened within the tournament. Whereas now, this, I think the skill gap has closed. It surely naturally does over time. Um, but the meta is a lot more uh, consistent, so people are able to take advantage of that small skill advantage that they have um, because there are less things in the game that completely ruin everything, despite what they might complain about on Twitter about <laughs> the game being in its worst state ever. For sure, there's still some problems and occasions where you die and it's not really your fault, but... 
um, a lot less than than they used to be. Yeah, it's cool. I, I, especially with having the same game mode for the past two years with trios one, duos the other, um, it has felt more consistent and you know regular to watch, uh, yeah. which is good and bad. You know, there's there's certain people like I think Reese just put out a video about why mid game is so boring. And that's a lot because, you know, we're watching the same thing over and over again. But th- yeah. there's been some changes, you know, to Surge that have happened, maybe, uh, to fix that. I don't know if it solves the issue completely, but it mm-hmm. definitely is at least a slight help. Have you thought about the, the Surge changes and what it does yeah, to a match? Sure. I, th- I think it's a great change. I mean, I've I've actually always been an advocate of having less players in an endgame. And a lot of people will tell me I'm stupid and the more stacked a game is the better <laughs> but but Fortnite end games are just so impossible to follow for an average viewer like there's there's 50 people in 50 50 zone or whatever like 40 people in a moving zone there's a, it's just impossible to know everything that's going on and I would actually prefer there were slightly less people which is what this storm surge thing results in you know it's, it's still a really nice number of people there's still uh, what is it? Forty-four instead of fifty going into yeah. the going into the half-half zone, um, and it will just make uh, servers much less laggy, which seems to have worked yesterday in the finals. And just the mid-game is more interesting um, for sure. There's there's other little downsides, but I think overall it's it's a really positive change. Yeah, I would agree. I, I like how the lobbies played out. It didn't seem like there was a massive shift in the flow of the game. It just seemed like there's a little more action going on mid game, which decreases that downtime of everyone just sitting in a box getting tags because there is, you know, second, third zone, everyone just chilling. Like no one's really doing anything. And now we, we're getting that number down. Um, I'm interested to see because we haven't seen it in like a finals lobby as, as much as you want to say a cash cup finals is similar. It's definitely not the FNCS caliber. Um, mm. And a lot of edge teams I saw complaining about it, but I think there's ways they can improve upon whatever they were doing. Um, yeah. I mean, people complaining that they can't figure out a strategy an hour after the change is released. <laughs> is a little bit early to say yeah. that it's, rubbish like people will develop ways and and the smarter players will will figure out how to play edge still um but yeah i mean i I think overall it'll be fine like if you if edge has become less powerful then maybe so be it you know come and contest the center if you think it's op (laughs) Yeah, well, and if you're having trouble getting surge on edge, don't land edge. Like it's it's kind of yeah. that simple. Yeah, in a way, <laughs> there's arguments against that, but yes, in a way, in a way, it is like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see how it plays out. I mean, obviously, the timing isn't the best. Um, you don't sure. want to see these kind of changes that could, especially in like the heats style where they seem to be more stacked than anything else that we play because of like winner take all. Um, it'll definitely be a huge shift in how things are played, but yeah, you know, I, I, again, like we both said, I don't think this is overall a bad change. I think the timing mm-hmm. is the only bad thing, at least in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, uh, the thing is like Epic, it's not as if they were 
they purposefully timed it for this time. Like, <laughs> I'm sure they would have put it in at the beginning of the season if they had, I don't know, thought of it or managed to implement it or coded it or whatever. <clears throat> I'm sure they would have done it back then. The, but given that it hadn't been done until this week, is it better to make the change now and make people play in horrifically laggy lobbies, or is it, or uh, sorry, to not to not make the change and make them play in laggy lobbies, or to just make the change last minute? And I feel like making the change is actually the better decision this week, because um, the the lot of the lag was pretty unplayable at times. Oh, definitely. Um, I played and would only, I would, yeah, it would only get worse in you know grounds lobbies and stuff. So, yeah, I, I think they made the right decision, assuming that they couldn't make the change earlier. Yeah, and like there, there's a small sample size for people to go look at, so it's not just this is now the first time it's going to be implemented. You could go watch those round twos of cash cups to at least get a <laughs> slight better understanding of what's going on, rather than you know claiming this is the first time that you've ever played in this and making that excuse when it's literally Mm. the same thing for everyone else in those lobbies so uh, i'm yeah i mean yeah they also they also wanted it in the performance evaluation cup um that's when they tried to put it in to test it unfortunately the test went wrong so they couldn't actually test it then so (laughs) the duo Duo cash cup ended up being more like the test um so it's even a little bit later than they had planned this week but okay yeah if you, I think if the duo's put in the time in the next 24 hours, what is it, or semis, not too long, um, then they, they can figure some things out. And now talking about semis, how do you feel about the format? And is there any, any teams that stand out to you? Is there anything that you think is like a clear best strategy? Like, talk to me about your thoughts on, on semifinals. So I think the format is spectator friendly i'd say um you know they've experimented with both extremes in the past whereas just consistency for a long time in the old fncs's and then they tried in grand royale where it was only reboots um, and neither of those quite satisfied anybody uh so you know i think i think this is a decent halfway house i know you're going to get couple of teams that you feel win a game and maybe don't really deserve to be in grounds because they're not probably not the best 50 teams in the region but you know that's that's part of any sport <laughs> you know <laughs> if if somebody surprising qualifies to the top 50 of any sport it's not it's not the worst thing in the world <laughs> congrats to them you know they had their lucky day and we move on it's like there's another fncs in three months it's not as if they're going to keep getting lucky every season. Um, different teams will have a bit of luck. Different teams will have a bit of bad luck, and that's just part of sports, really. So, I think I think the whole Victoria Royal thing is is really good for spectators. So it kind of has to be kept in. Um, as for strategy, I think basically every team should just be looking to play consistency. Um, and if that's if that strat is not working out after two three games then you switch strat try and win a game like that way you keep both your options open basically because if you just try and uh, risk everything for height in first moving or 50 50 every single game then you're never putting yourself in position to win on consistency um so i feel like the best strat is surely just try and have a decent first game and see what happens 
Um, yeah, no. Obviously, if you you know if you get the opportunity to win the game in the first game, then of course. But um, yeah, there's no need to risk everything. I would say. And and eventually, if you are playing consistent, there will be those opportunities to win. Whether you're playing high, low, like you'll yeah. at least get a shot That's at it. it if you're yeah. putting your hat in the ring on a regular basis. Um, yeah, I mean, not every game is won from high ground, so. Um, yeah, I don't know what I should really know the stat on this probably. But <laughs> I would be the guy that people ask. <laughs> uh, but if it feels like I don't know, probably the team on height in second moving. Let's say how often? How often do you think they win the game? To me, it feels like sixty, seventy percent, maybe. I was gonna say fifty to sixty. I think it's 60, probably a little yeah. lower. Maybe, yeah. Because a lot of teams yeah, that are on height at that point are normally super scuffed yeah. and then have to make, make a play. Height. Yeah. But it it yeah. really comes down to, like, typically there, there's that duo on height, and you got the duo on low ground, then there's that one solo, and solo they control, like, who wins the game <laughs> because they either yeah. make a play for low or make a play for height, and they scuff one team, and then whoever mm. they don't scuff typically wins the game. And, like, that mm. somewhat seems be- like how it regularly happens um yeah but that's just anecdotal and how i feel so yeah yeah i think i think yeah teams shouldn't get too caught up on just trying to take height to in the game because as we said you can win from mid and low ground we see it plenty still so yeah Um, just play a consistent game like if you are a height team then play height sure because you're used to that anyway but if you're mid and low ground you can still win games so and how do you feel about the overall FNCS format? Because I'm, I feel like it's not in the best spot. It is from a player's perspective. I feel like it's really good, but now as we're you know, a couple of years into this, it seems almost like qualifier one's the best. Then we lose the top five teams, so then it gets slightly worse. Then we lose the top five teams, and it gets slightly worse. Then we lost the top fifteen teams. Now we're going into semis, which you know is like supposed to get better right it qualifiers to semi should get better but then it's right. less quality mm-hmm. and day three of semis is typically like okay who who's really even playing in this at this point <laughs> um no obviously like there are good players and teams but yeah. it's like getting worse like, again we're losing the best teams mm-hmm. and so quality is getting worse and then it just shoots back up when we play grands and it feels really weird that qualifier one and then grands are the best two things as far as like overall player pool. And we just mm. like go down in the middle. I, I've been trying to think of a way to improve upon that because yeah. I do think it should be constant buildup as opposed to like this weird loop of, you know, quality of play. But also thinking about it from a player's perspective it's really solid, you know, getting a top five and a qualifier is by no means easy. Then getting that straight advancement to the, the finals is awesome. And then for semifinals, it's like the perfect combination like you just spoke about. Uh, so, I mean, I'd be interested. The only thing I've thought of is like a, a regular season almost where you just remove semifinals and it's straight consistency to grand. So that way there is that constant yeah. buildup. Other than that, like I have no idea, bro. So, <laughs> yeah. Back back before there was anybody auto qualifying to grands, when it was just qualifiers and then heats, and then just like top eight in each heat go through to final, and all the heats were separated, they didn't lead on to each other. Now back then, I had this idea that uh, teams that did better overall in qualifiers 
should have a head start in the heats because it felt so bad that you could win all the qualifiers and then just have a bad six games in heats and you don't get to grounds. It just seemed ridiculous. Yeah. So I thought, like, if you're literally the best team in the qualifier, then you start heats with 60 points or something and you, you just scale it down. And the team that just scraped into heats starts on zero. So it's like the advantage that you gain, but still everybody has a chance. If you start on zero, you could still qualify. You could catch up. Um, but you have that disadvantage because you weren't as good in the qualifiers. And to me, that seemed a fair, fairer way of doing it. Um, and then obviously into trio seasons last year, they started introducing auto qualifiers. Now, one of the big advantages of auto qualifying to grands from the qualifier finals is that it keeps qualifier finals really big hype because there's a big prize. Yeah. And I think that's that's the main reason that was added because qualifier finals felt very tame before. Um, and yeah, it also fixed the problem that you could really pop off in qualifiers and then not then have an off day in, in heats slash semifinals. Um, it fixed that problem. But I, I agree with you that, yeah, the quality goes down from qualifier one all the way through to semis <laughs> is correct. Um, I wonder what you could do maybe is still have some auto qualifiers to finals, but maybe just top two. So you're removing less of the top, top teams. So qualifier three final is still really good quality. And then maybe after the three qualifiers, the top people on the series leaderboard go straight to grounds. So if you are coming fifth in these qualifier finals, you may still get straight to grounds, but you're still playing the later qualifier finals to keep the spectators interested because the bigger players are there and also not being unfair on them because they eventually do auto call to grounds. Um, and they'll always have an incentive to play well in qualifier two and three still because they don't know whether they're getting through on consistency. So maybe that's an idea. Um, what I really like, something they did add is this whole semi-final session thing where if you do better on the series points leaderboard, you do have an advantage. I still think they could take that further because still first and 50th is in the same position on the series leaderboard. They all get into session one. Maybe they can take it further and... Um, I don't know, maybe do that thing with the points head start or or maybe just have a few games where there's less teams in it. <laughs> I don't know, something really radical. Like the first couple of games have 30 players in it from the series leaderboard and then you add some more teams to That'd give those top people a little bit more of an advantage. Um, yeah, there's a few things that I've thought of, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the um, like the head start because it's almost like seeding. You know, you, you play well enough during the qualifiers, you get seeded higher. So then, yeah. like, there is that actual advantage and reward yeah. for playing well during the qualifiers. That That's not a bad mm. idea. Hey, Epic, listen up. My, my man's got some good ideas over here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think overall the, the format has in general, improved since the early FNCSs uh, in terms of the fairness of qualification to grands. Um, I would say the thing that has got worse is the the spacing of the whole t the tournament as a whole. The fact that qualifiers are so cramped together now, I'm not a big fan of that. I believe in, you know, the first time it got really cramped was, I think, the, Jan the February ones, the, the first uh, season, this chapter. And that was because they just didn't have enough time in the season. Right. So I thought they would then space it out, come go back to spacing it out. 
you know, week to week, but it, ha- it hasn't really happened. Maybe again, they're just lacking in time uh, to actually run these tournaments in a in what is a relatively short season. Um, so maybe they just need less seasons in a year and we can space things out more. Because something I really used to enjoy was the storyline of the different teams through the qualifiers and working up towards grants. And now it's like, you know, the qualifier starts last week and the semifinals are this weekend. <laughs> like that whole, the whole of FNCS is basically over for almost everybody. Yeah. Um, um, I definitely agree grand. with you. Uh, because from like a talent and someone that's been on the other side trying to portray stories, there's nothing mm. that I can tell you besides what I already knew going into the qualifiers. Because like even just talking about qualifier three, where it's round three, you basically have 40 minutes and then round four starts. And there's you could watch maybe two games on like 4x speed and learn something to then talk about. Otherwise, yeah. it's relying on what you already know. Mm. Uh, and I'm sure for, for you, from like a, a similar perspective, there's almost no time for you to even you know pull some stats on like this team did this during yeah. round three and so on and so forth. I would love like each weekend was one qualifier. Um, yeah. The way it used to be. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I do prefer that. I think it's like maybe it's because of the broadcast. Because instead of like it being put out to five weeks, it's now because you think there's a Sunday show and then Friday, Sunday the following week. That's a much shorter period of time than, you know, three weeks for three qualifiers. Uh, and then you have semis right yeah. after. So that is my general inclination as to why it's been shortened yeah like in but terms I, of the logistics of getting people to uh the blast studios and stuff you know you don't you know on them having to live in denmark for <laughs> three quarters of the year because of all the fncs's yeah so yeah makes sense what you're saying well it's not even just like talent you know there's hundreds of people that work on the broadcast from both yes. blast and epic so uh there's a lot of a lot of people involved in having them constantly moving around doing stuff. That's just my general thought. Uh, anyway, let's get back to you. Uh, I have a couple of questions about like your okay. content that you've been putting out because a couple months ago you started putting out regular YouTube content. The streams yeah. have been more regular and you know, you've gone from focusing on like stats and stuff to now creating your own content which is actually really good I, i've yeah. loved some of the youtube videos that you've put out i, I can't check the streams you're kind of kind of an early streamer sometimes so yeah yeah um, by your standards <laughs> <laughs> just for your time zone what yeah, made yeah. what made you you know want to invest in youtube content and streaming so um i think the, the big change is that i'm now full-time so i, I left my uh, other job as a data analyst. Um, so I've now gone full-time. And part of that strategy is to just build the build my profile, uh, not just on Twitter, but on any other platform, and just build the uh, the brand, I guess, the Kinch Analytics brand. Um, you know, my, my long-term vision is that Kinch Analytics is uh, a data analytics company in the esports industry not just in Fortnite, obviously right now, just in Fortnite, maybe in the future, we expand um, and just try and become, um, I don't know, a professional company. <laughs> not that 
we're not a professional company because technically we are right now um but yeah just building that name up and just getting other content out especially on youtube like showing that just other ways to demonstrate your skills and things like this so just trying to concentrate videos on not just random Fortnite content but things that i really specialize in so i create videos that are very data focused um hopefully still very entertaining because data can be boring if it's literally just data so, no, you, you do a great job yeah. as to portraying that in a way that makes sense for someone that doesn't have a data analytics degree yes that's the idea <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes uh i get so into the the maths behind something that i probably struggle to take out all the maths for the video <laughs> because that's the stuff that um you know, really gets my brain going when I'm doing the maths. Um, but yeah, we have to strip out as much of that as possible and just just present it in a in a way that's accessible to people. And yeah, just try and try and get people's interest up in data analytics as well, because um, I think a lot of the you know the perception when you're a kid is that numbers we hate maths. You know, numbers are boring. Who wants to be a data analyst and stare at numbers all day? It sounds like the worst job in the world. I mean, yeah, sure. Some will grow up and still think it's the most boring thing in the world, but <laughs> there are definitely people out there that, that would be interested in this sort of thing. And, and, and most people, they, they enjoy it. You know, yeah, I post a, a stat on Twitter and people will enjoy it because, you know, seeing interesting numbers is, is entertaining. Um, so yeah, I, I hope I'm, I'm, I'm bringing that to the Fortnite audience, something that was just not really there at all before. Yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah. before you, there was Prodigy and 1UP, and, you know, mm. both of them, 1UP was doing some stuff regularly, and he dropped off, yeah. Um, yeah. and then Prodigy, you know, does some other stuff, but it's yeah. been awesome to see someone provide this kind of tool and asset to the community, uh, and, you know, I, I'd love to talk about Kinch Premium, which, you know, you've been putting out now for a while to help players yeah. but you do both those now the youtube content is providing even more value to simplifying but still yet using that data that you're getting for the general audience and then like obviously you have the premium service where you're yeah. giving people very very helpful numbers data while you know what do you charge five bucks Eight now. Eight? Oh. <laughs> Whew, that's Inflation. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, like how is how is building out Kinch Premium like and what is that for somebody who's listening and may not have any idea? Yeah, so for for some months I used to estimate all over Twitter for all the all the tournaments and uh eventually I moved that over to a Discord just to organize it way better in a server. And and then obviously after a few months it was just taking up a lot of my time and people wanted more and more and it was hard for me to say no um because i want to help people and at that time i also had a full-time job so <laughs> this was like a lot of my free time i was spending on it and the thing is when you're doing something essentially for free for so long that takes so much of your time eventually you're just going to lose motivation to do it um because there's not enough reward sure i was growing some social followers and getting some exposure, but that, that's not going to pay the bills. Um, so 
you know, the only way I was ever going to carry on estimating for a long, long time was to charge for it because then I have a responsibility to the people that are paying and I have the motivation to do it. Um, you know, if, if I'd never made Kinch Premium, there is no way I would still be estimating. I would have gotten so bored of it and had no motivation for it. <laughs> so, yeah, anybody who gets annoyed by the fact I think that I charge or, or thinks I should still be doing it on Twitter, well, maybe they should try putting in like hours and hours every week for free <laughs> doing this sort of stuff on Twitter for, for months and months. So, yeah, Kinch Premium was made to basically keep me going. Um, absolutely not intended to uh, make myself a millionaire, and it certainly hasn't. Um, yeah, it's just a way of having having uh, a small bit of income just to keep keep it all going and to help out the community in that way. Um, and now, now it is expanding a bit. You know, we are trying to, to make it bigger and bigger and add more things as we go on. So first of all, it was just points estimates. Now I add like uh, general tournament advice before each tournament. People want to know like strategy, especially around point systems, like how should they play. Um, they want ideas of like loadouts and all these sorts of things. So I provide all that. And then we have like drop maps, which also help them to get their perfect landing, obviously, at their drop spots. We have some bots that just help them break down the maths that they need to do within their tournament. So sometimes they'll be like, I need 20 points to qualify. What is that? Do I need to come top five? I don't know. So we have some bots that help them break it down into placements and elims for them. Um, and yeah, there's more and more things that will add. The you know the general idea is that it is it will become like the essential companion for any comp player, whether they care about estimates or not. Just more and more features so that it is your companion. Everything that you need to be a comp player will be in there, um, and hopefully keep it at a cheap enough price. That it's accessible, you know. Yeah, I could I could easily charge a lot, lot more for this. Uh, you know, I could I could offer these services to orgs or to any other company that would pay a lot more and make it a lot more exclusive. Um, but I want to keep it as open as possible so that the price is basically no barrier uh, to almost everybody. Of course, there will be a few people that it is, but um, yeah, that's that's the general philosophy of where we're going with that. Yeah, well, Sorry, that was a very off... long advert for Twitch Premium. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. Like that, I was asking you about it, so I'm glad yeah. you talked about it. Um, and you were offering a free trial too, so basically anyone that yeah. wanted to use it for FNCS like could have used mm -hmm. it for free. And it's that like yeah. good marketing strategy of giving some someone something for free, and then they'll they'll want more. Uh, so shout yeah, out to a lot you. of people just just don't really know what it's what it looks like. So the free trial is. Um, obviously it is to try and get more people to sign up obviously as a rigid strategy um, but it's totally understandable that they need something like a free trial because otherwise it's just channels that you can't see on discord so what on earth is this <laughs> <laughs> and can i trust the points estimates as well yeah so for you is it just you doing this or do you have people helping you so it's uh, me and my wife okay uh, so she also works a lot on the business and in terms of like the the maths and the estimates that is me um she does everything else that supports the the business basically um all of the customer service dealing with all the dms support um and then just other general things outside our discord server obviously um tries to sort of you know create business connections deal with our contracts accountancy anything like that 
um, that's needed. Cool. Oh, and just... uh, a big part is the socials as well. So she does all the all the video editing. Um, oh wow! Just a, a lot of the the um, this general strategy of our socials, um, creating ideas, all these sorts of things, and then all the editing. I just do gather the data and record the voice, and then <laughs> she takes it from there. That's so, nice. Yeah. You guys are a good team. I was going to ask. Yeah. I forgot to who edited your videos, but she does a good mm. job. Yep. For sure. Um, that's good to hear, man. And do you have plans to expand that? I know you said you wanted it to be like a, a larger company. Have you thought about bringing other people on, whether it be like part-time, full-time, anything like that? Yeah. Um, that is something we're definitely looking to do. I mean, not that we're hiring right now or anything, but um it, it's sort of a case of you know when, when we find the work we'll bring people on um i guess that's the general idea and if the if the estimates get too much for me and we need to uh bring someone else in for that then we will absolutely um and yeah if we want to expand on anything we just we just have to look at the you know the, the monetary value now obviously we're not gonna start paying someone thousands of pounds when he's only making pennies for us <laughs> for whatever he's doing so yeah we have to have to look at it from a, a financial standpoint as well uh yeah long long term hopefully we will we will expand for sure cool i'm looking forward to it i mean you seem to have expanded quite quickly over the past two years to mm. like part-time doing this for fun to now being a full-time career um that both you and your yeah. wife support which is really cool not it's impressive to be honest bro like congratulations and good Thanks. for you both of you guys to be able to do that yeah i mean we we worked really hard on it and the obviously there's some luck involved sometimes i think our big stroke of luck was that there's just a gap in the market for data analysis in in fortnite there was as you said barely anything on on socials so we were able to fill that gap initially and that's what kick-started everything um yeah a stroke of luck and then and then a lot of hard work and uh knowledge i guess <laughs> uh, i like it being a little humble a lot of it was, was hard work um <laughs> now a couple of questions to wrap up we're, we're about out an hour here uh so i don't want to hold you too long but first question what is your favorite fortnite skin uh <laughs> so i'm a massive star wars fan so i play as ray Okay. Um, stick with the stick with the female characters, as is as is the uh, comp Fortnite way. <laughs> but yeah, I, I play as Ray usually. Nice. And then, lastly, I mean, we've talked a lot about what you're doing, but you know, here's a chance to to plug any of your socials, and if you have anything coming up in the future mm -hmm. that uh, people should look out to, you know, go for it. Yeah, I mean, my socials are are my YouTube Kinch Analytics, my Twitch Kinch Analytics, and <laughs> uh my discord which obviously has a silly url invite link um but you can find that through my twitter which is also kinch analytics um everything is kinch analytics very easy to find um yeah that's that's basically the spaces in which we operate um get in contact with you with me via dms or wherever if you want to have a chat about anything in depth or anything you're interested in working on me with working with me on <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, man, for coming on and sharing. Um, 
and again, thank you for what you do for the, the community, uh, even though now it's paid for. But, you know, still, I enjoy some of the stuff in the YouTube content. So keep yeah, doing yeah. that. Definitely keep uh, keep up with it because totally. it's really cool. Yeah, thanks very much for having me on. It was good fun just, just having a chat. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting just to almost think about where I've come from as well, because sometimes you don't really, sometimes you forget these things. <laughs> yeah, having that, like, just, self- yeah introspective moment of Mm. like what all happened it's yeah all right well thank you so much and thank you everybody for listening or watching whether you be spotify youtube google hopefully we'll be on apple one day if i can get an iphone um and we appreciate you if you have any complaints comments concerns you want to tell me this is awesome you can do that on twitter at somebody's gone it's down below if you're watching on youtube if not you know find me now thank you guys we'll see you next time peace yep